What's up, guys, and welcome back to the Dad Podcast, hosted by myself, Sean Stafford. It is the place for everything fitness, fun, fatherhood, and a load of other stuff in between. This episode is a little bit different. It's powered by the legends at Optimum Nutrition. And speaking of legends, we have a couple in the studio with me today. We have Thomas Barr, Irish Olympic athlete, and Katie Warriner, who is a prominent psychologist in the sporting world. But instead of me butchering kind of your titles, why don't you int- introduce yourselves to the people that are listening? Thomas, you can fire away. Um, yeah, I am a 400 meter hurdle specialist, uh, Olympic athlete, as you said yourself. My kind of highlights were fourth in the Rio Olympic Games in 2016 and a bronze medal last year at the European Championships. Where was the European Championships? In Berlin, in Germany. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And uh, where where do you keep the medal? Uh, at home in my drawer. It's uh, not in the toilet. It's no. Toilet. <laughs> Everybody that I've asked is like, where do you keep your most prized possession? They're like, yeah, it's in the toilet. <laughs> I used to keep it in my car because it just had a nice little uh, slot and everyone wanted to see it. Yeah. I was always going to be with my car, so I used to keep it in the in the glove box. <laughs> Good. And Katie, talk. T- tell the people at home, you've got a, a bit of a star-studded CV, so um, let the people in. On, uh, on what you've been up to over the last sure. sort of couple of years? Yeah, so I'm a performance psychologist um, and I work across different elite sport teams. Um, I've been super fortunate to be at both the London 2012 Olympics, the Rio 2016 Olympics as well. Wish I'd seen your event. It would have been amazing. Um, massive respect for that event. Um, and yeah, I've worked across loads of different teams at the moment, most of all with the England men's sevens teams, the GB men's hockey team, um, as well as quite a few premiership rugby players as well. Cool. Um, so I know you briefly touched on it, but what, so what has been your career highlight to date? Is it, so for you, is it, is it Olympics? It's tough to pick is it between Olympics them. or is it, yeah. I think the fourth place in the Olympics, like that on merit, I think is way more than Epic. a third place finish in yeah. a Europeans. But at the moment, European 400 meter hurdling is just as strong as it okay. is worldwide. So the two guys that were actually in the, the, um, the final that were ahead of me, like they're going to be in world and Olympic finals going on from here. But to physically have a medal, you know, you can actually show people third place. You can't show them fourth place, you know. So I think that the Europeans definitely top trumps. Okay. What was it like seeing the flag go up? It was all very surreal. Um, I just had this big grin, a big stupid grin on my face for the whole thing. I couldn't, you know, (laughs) I couldn't actually comprehend what it was. Uh, yeah, it was an absolutely amazing feeling. Loads of Irish over there as well for the event. It was, yeah, really cool. Hopefully get more now. Mm. And Katie, what's uh, what's been the highlight of your career to date? I think um, like there's so many you could pick from. And um, the, one, the one that stands out the most for me was uh, the London 2012 Games, Home Olympics. Yeah. The crowd was unbelievable. The atmosphere. At, the, at that point, I was working with GB Canoeing with our Canoe Slalom team. And we did well, didn't we? We yeah. won some medals. Yeah, a pretty yeah, special yeah, yeah. day. And um, there was two athletes in particular, Tim Bailey and Etienne Stott, who won gold. They became the first British Olympic champions in the sport. And yeah. their journey to gold was incredible. Um, 18 months out, Etienne dislocated his shoulder. Tim had an operation on his elbow. It was super challenging for them to kind of get themselves on the start line. And they're also two of the best people. I think I've ever met so right. good guys win yeah. and that was just like a dream come true actually to see that happen and I remember the Unreal. I remember the 2012 Olympics it was an amazing summer and everybody had kind of built it up in London that it was going to be a bit of a letdown everyone's like oh it's going to be so busy it's going <laughs> to rain it was so built up yeah, yeah. yeah British but it, might, but it yeah. was literally <laughs> the best four weeks I think I've ever had in London yeah it was incredible 
And I just remember everybody was just on a high because we actually did really well, right? Yeah. Was that our best got... performing Olympics? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, and uh, certainly for us, we were the, sort of one of the top performing nations in the canoeing with gold and silver on that first day, which is just yeah. straight home, up magic. That home advantage there yeah. straight away. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My older sister, actually, um, Jessie, was on the relay team for the 4x4 team uh, in the London Olympics as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so it's a family affair. It is yeah. in a way. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's get down into a little bit of specific stuff. We, The people that listen to this podcast are fascinated by training, nutrition, all that sort of stuff. And having you guys in the studio is super special. So, Tom, mm-hmm. you obviously consistently train at the highest level how how do you do that what is like the biggest challenge with that for me i think it's just about the love for it um that's the biggest thing that keeps me going consistently year on year um and that's kind of what keeps me coming back is that i really enjoy it i enjoy the training i enjoy competing i love racing i love competing i love you know putting in all the hard work during the winter and then coming out in the summer and racing and putting out that you know there's a lot of people that um don't like racing but they prefer they, they still put like in the hard training. work but I love going out and putting it to, to, to the test as such yeah. you know challenging myself against everyone else um, and having a really good training group for me has been key mm. in that um, I enjoy going training I enjoy going for, for a bit of fun so the 400 like my group of 400 metre guys at the moment are, are good fun and are they all, all Irish or all Irish yeah, yeah. yeah. And are, you, and you, are you based out in Dublin or in based out of Limerick Limerick yeah yeah Limerick on the south uh, southwest in the southwest of Ireland and is that kind of the hub where all of the kind of top Irish athletes do they all kind of congregate on a Irish athletics is very spread out um, because it's individuals working with their individual coaches there are some a, a lot of athletes will come from Dublin Dublin will be the hub of sport in Ireland yeah. say um, and then you'll get little you know you'll get other clubs or other coaches you know athletes will kind of gravitate to wherever their coaches are based and um, that's why I'm based in Limerick I'm actually from Waterford which is about two hours away um, but I'm based in Limerick now for, for training with my, my training group and with the coaches so there's it, it, you know it could be the middle of nowhere in Cork um, or it could be from the city centre in Dublin so yeah. it's really very spread out yeah. and you reckon it's the, that sort of group mentality that kind of camaraderie of the training group do you guys like push each other on is yeah. It? yeah definitely yeah yeah and it's good fun like I mean for me it would be very hard to I, I hate training on my own um, I need to have somebody else there even just for the warm up you yeah. know like a lot of our training is is the warm up and, and that takes you know a bit of um, it takes a bit of you know patience maybe and yeah. mental strength to kind of just do it properly but when there's everyone else is there and everyone else is doing it and you're all having a bit of fun it's way easier and that's what I love the banter between the stretching banter exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, they, say, they say that when it comes to sort of the warm up they say that if you're going to chop down a tree you should sharpen the axe for the first hour and then chop down the tree and then mm. chop down the that's tree that's it exactly rather yeah. than just like hammering away with a blunt axe yeah. so if we're looking at your sort of a standard training session, what sort of amount of time would you guys spend <laughs> warming up compared compared, compared, compared to <laughs> actually putting in the wheels on the track? It's so funny because as a sprinter, like it's a sprinter's life. Um, we might spend 45 minutes to an hour warming up yeah. and actually running, taking out recovery, you know, the recovery between the runs. Yeah, yeah. We might actually only be going for two minutes. Okay, so wow. that yeah. that will sound ridiculous to anybody listening, but so let's not take out the recovery because yeah. obviously, if you're going balls to the wall with your sprinting, you're going to need some recovery in there as well in yeah. terms of rest. So, would a normal session be two hours? 
Uh, it would be probably in all in total. Yeah. Probably between an hour and fifteen to an hour and twenty, um, okay. or maybe even an hour and a half, or if, if some of our sessions are that little bit yeah. longer. Um, you spend the first hour of that warming up. Yeah, forty-five minutes to wow. an hour usually. Yeah, yeah. Decent. Getting everything going because when you're going sprinting, you have to be ready to go on form. Yeah. Um, and and you have to be switched on. So a lot of it, you know, we will actually be building in. We'll be doing some short sprints beforehand, or we'll be doing dr- a lot of drills yeah. um, and stuff like that to get going. Um, and uh, that does take yeah quite a substantial amount of time, yeah. and then we'll go out, um, and and sprint from anything between forty meters up to maybe six hundred meters. Yeah. Um. So the winter training is a lot longer. So that's where we get the long runs, short recovery. So thankfully we're kind of coming the other way around, where the runs are getting a little bit shorter, a little bit faster, and the recoveries are getting a lot longer. I guess it's um I guess it's one of those things where, you know, getting injured in your industry would be a disaster right completely so you want to spend the time sort of making sure or doing everything you can to limit the chance of getting exactly. injured yeah. um do you think that sort of because I, I i'm in a gym a lot and i'm with <laughs> regular people that are training training hard do you think that that sort of philosophy of a little bit more time preparation to train as opposed to just going in you know touching your toes rolling your arms and then going into a heavy bench press do you think that that's something that could carry over into the people listening, you know, everyday guys that go to the gym and just want to train hard. Mm-hmm. Do you think that sort of focus on preparation? Absolutely. With anything, preparation is key. And for me as much, and you'll be able to jump in on this as well, Katie, is the the mental preparation, being mentally switched on for a session and ready to go. And I think maybe even half, if not more of that, of the warm up is often just to get the head right get mentality ready get ready get switched on yeah. so that when you actually go to put in the hard work so if somebody's in the gym and they're going they're doing a lift or for me if I'm going in, going into a 300 meters flat yeah. out literally completely flat out yeah. I need to be mentally and physically ready so a lot of that I think is is down to the is on the mental side of things just as much as the physical side of things where you're getting the muscles ready to go you're kind of basically making you know waking them up from a day if if you're a working in an office or you're working yeah. in a, a manual labor job or whatever, whatever it is you're during the day you're doing during the day just getting the muscles ready to actually to fire and work yeah muscles and mind yeah. i think so when you're dealing with your athletes how how important is it that they get sort of mentally prepared before not necessarily a big match but uh, an important yeah. training session so yeah. do, you, do you have any cues that you or processes that you take them through for mm. your athletes? Yeah, it's massive. I mean, it's fascinating to hear your examples with the, you know, the minutes involved. Um, and I think often in elite sports, kind of, you, I think of it like a bit of an ideas war. Yeah. So you've got 168 hours in a week. So has the opposition. You can't train all of those. Yeah, and actually, some of the first things we do when we sit down with the coaches, we put in kind of where are the peak performances, where are the recovery slots, then where's the training? And then, like you said, how do you actually get your mind in gear and switch on for that? So most of the time I'd be working with the guys on their own individual switch on process so yeah. it would include the stuff you'd expect to find in it stuff like what what's the purpose of the session what did I learn from the last session that I want to tweak and work on to make this session kind of put more money in the bank yeah. not just never just go training because just turning up for training doesn't for guarantee yeah. any impact any progress and often like actually working through what are your worries about this session because if you deal with that before you've got onto the pitch or the track or in the gym like what are you nervous about put that into perspective so that you can then focus on the training and the games yeah. you want to make it's huge yeah just I actually touching on that is when I was in Berlin at the Europeans um, the day I was uh, competing for the bronze medal it was uh, an evening race, 
So I had the whole day that to sounds, build up. That play. sounds terrible. <laughs> that, that sounds well, like, great no, that, if you're skillful with it. Yeah, yeah. Like, it was great because I hate racing in the morning. I'm, yeah, I'm, right. I'm a night owl. Yeah. I I rather race at eleven o'clock at night than eleven o'clock in the morning. Really? But all I woke up and I was nervous. You know, I was like, right, this is the day. Um, this is you know, I I was tipped for a medal. Um, you know, Oof. the bronze medal was kind of there yeah. if I brought mm. it out on the day. Amazing. Um, in a way. And uh, so I had that pressure to deal with. But as the day went on, I went through the race in my head. I, I just went play by play. I love rounds. I love heats, semis and a final. Do like the ideal athlete? Just, uh, <laughs> 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 there's, there's probably a reason he's quite good. Yeah, yeah. Success leaves clues. It's yeah, so like funny, it. yeah. Um, so I went through it in my head, you know, and Karsten Warholm, the guy who won it, I was out in the outside lane. So I had nobody to gauge, you know, in the first 200, because it staggered. I had nobody yeah. outside me, so I didn't know where anyone was. And my coach was like, you have to just run hard, run your own race. So I went through the race and Carson Warholm goes out very hard in the first 200 meters. So I was like, right, he's going to come up on my shoulder at some stage and break the stagger. Is it going to happen at hurdle four, hurdle five, halfway through the race? Is it not going to happen? So I prepared for that, where I, I had to be ready for him to go past me and think, carry on. He's going to do that. But then I also had to think, what if I'm doing really well and I get to hurdle eight and I'm coming down the home straight and I don't see him? What am I going to do then? Am I going to panic because I'm like, oh my God, I'm in first place. So I went through every eventuality Amazing. in yeah. my head. And then as the day went on, I was more and more ready. And I was kind of like, okay, just let me at them. Let me at yeah. them as, as, as I was doing my warm up to the point I didn't want to do my warm up. I was like, let me out in the track. Yeah. yeah. Wow, I love that. Yeah, so funny. skillful. Nice. Funny. I wouldn't call it skillful, but. No, I would. Like, yeah, <laughs> Yeah, because then you're preparing your mind for the scenarios that like go there in your mind before you go there with your body so yeah. that you're ready for how you want to respond. And the margins in elite sport are so, so tight now tight. that any sort of reaction to someone coming up that you hadn't worked through, how's that going to feel? What do I need to do in that moment? Yeah. That's just, just remove, a game changer. Remove all the yeah. unknowns or as many as you yeah. possibly can. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's all very well for elite sport and it's incredibly fascinating. But yeah. what sort of tips do you reckon you could take from that kind of elite level performance and preparation kind of into everyday life like how does mm -hmm. that translate what what mm -hmm. sort of things you know if you were dealing with maybe not a, an elite sports client maybe okay uh, someone that just wants to improve general performance in their life what sort of techniques and skills could you take from elite sport and yeah. kind of give to them I think there's huge crossover because essentially yeah. whether it's an elite athlete trying to win an Olympic medal or someone trying to get a particular promotion or a particular gain in fitness or something they're trying to yeah. do in the gym, it's still just people trying to achieve just stuff that they care about. Yeah. Yeah. Same so thing. I think, I mean, the thing that's just coming out from both of what we're reflecting on is just that mindset of being really focused on what it is that matters to you and thinking about why it matters to you. You talked about your love of it and your love of the process. So thinking about what matters, why it matters, because as soon as you set your focus on it, sort of under the surface of your brain there's something called the reticular activating system all that really means is it's a part of your brain that pays attention to what's important to you right. and you know how like if you decided to buy a new car yeah and then you suddenly <laughs> see loads of that car out on the road this is so yeah. true like, yeah. like, i was going through this last month i was yeah. like i've never seen really so many jeeps the, on the road yeah. <laughs> the nice choice uh, the brain is so powerful so once you decide on that and you set your intention and then you think right each day when i wake up how am i going to use today in service of that goal what's the one thing i'm going to do that's going to move me towards it you're brain will already start helping you find the solutions because yeah. it's going to orientate you and help you pay attention to the things that are relevant to it. And would you recommend sort of people do that at the start of the day, like when they wake up and write it down? Is there, is, is there actually like a practical 
yeah. way of sort of putting that into actuality, is it? I'm a big, I mean, I know everyone's different, but I'm a big believer in what you just said there and, and start the day with a clear intention. Yeah. Write it down if you can. Tell someone that you respect because yeah. then you'll become a bit accountable to them and you don't right. want to kind of look like a hypocrite. Yeah. So yeah. tell someone that you care about. That's where you reference your training group as well. That will that will push you on a little bit more as well, I think so. Even, I think, uh, someone asked me for like what advice would I give to somebody who's trying to get into fitness Yeah, and it would be to have like that to think about what you're doing have a plan because mm. there's so many times even if I don't have a, a if there's a day I'm just going in to do some rehab and stuff I'm like yeah. oh, I'll do a bit of this afterwards I'll do a bit of core work afterwards but I don't have a plan I end up kind of walking around or I'm like taking recovery I'm like what will I do next what do I do? you know if you actually have a plan there's so many people I know yeah. that will go to the gym wander around for half the session and not get as much work done whereas if you kind of know what you're going to do um, yeah. Like you're not in your head. You're going to say something. I, no, I literally just, I literally just wrote an article for Optimum Nutrition's website um, about how to, when you're super busy, how to be productive. And yeah. the thing is, always have a plan for your time. So yeah. especially with a gym session, if you go in, you're like, oh, I'm just going to train a bit of chest today. Yeah. Or I'm just going to train a bit of arms. It's it's so it's ineffective. Yeah. yeah. It's so. You don't have any sets, how many reps, what exercise. Exactly. So even if it is one of those things where you've got an hour to train and the hour starts now, yeah. you know take five minutes from that hour to write down what 100%. your intentions yeah. are and write yeah. down what your plan is mm. and then just get at it. See, I'm lucky because yeah. my coach yeah. writes all the programs <laughs> for me for the gym and for uh, and for the track and everything so I just have to follow that. I don't even yeah. have to think about it. Yeah, that is helpful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it moves that out of it for me. So, so when, uh, let's, let's look a little bit about mindset and psychology. I think having you in here is while we've got you, we might as well completely <laughs> pick your brain. Bleed you from yeah. all of all your. Uh... So, um, say like when you're working with one of your teams, sort of what tips would you would you give them to maybe get their mindset back on track after a defeat or after a yeah. setback, that sort of thing? Yeah. Is there is there anything that you would use to kind of yeah. re-motivate or reset someone's mind? Definitely, I think. I mean, the first place I always want to start with this topic: how to recover is recognizing that setbacks are normal. That you know, when you see elite athletes achieving great heights, they've yeah. got there because they've failed multiple times mm. and they bounce back from it. So I think you know, we just look on Instagram and everything looks very perfect and shiny and incredible, but the reality is very different. Yeah. Setbacks are normal. I mean, if you just put into Google famous failures, you'll come up with so many amazing examples. Like one of my favourites, like J.K. Rowling, um, Rowling, however you pronounce her surname. Um, her first book was rejected thirty times. Like literally, really? imagine receiving thirty rejection letters, yeah. and you're still believing in your book and one of them apparently said it just won't make a good book and she's now sold 450 million odd yeah. in excess of 400 yeah. million odd books it's just <laughs> unbelievable and there's so many examples from sport from all sorts of fields of performance so we, we i would talk with the team we'd come together and like let's talk about failure it when we need to talk about it more we should celebrate it more put yeah. on instagram where have you failed and what did you learn from it and realize it's just part of the path to success do you know what and touching on that subject of you know the perfect the perfect feed and all that sort of stuff when it comes yeah. to social media then something that i've certainly experienced is when you are vulnerable mm. and when you are completely transparent with when things aren't going so well whether you know i've actually got a neck injury at the moment and i'm moaning about it on instagram <laughs> a lot it's healthy it's but real. yeah but but it's, it's the normal. amount of engagement you get from people is the, whether it's through support, whether it's through mm. them sharing their own issues and, you know, it's so refreshing. And I think yeah. people actually respect, you know, exactly. that non-perfect yeah. representation yeah. of Absolutely. reality. Yeah. And I think that's really important. I think, you know, 
putting failure and putting setbacks into context. It's yeah. it's an everyday part of our lives, right? Yeah. yeah. And particularly for men, like, you know, that kind of alpha male image that you should have everything sorted. And actually, like, there's an amazing psychologist called Brene Brown who does some incredible TED Talks on this sort of yeah. topic. And even she talks about the word courage comes from the word, the C-O-U-R bit comes from the word heart, which is to, like, speak from the heart, say your truth, even if it makes your voice shake, or especially if it makes your voice shake a bit. Because yeah. that's where you get your strength back from, of kind of getting in touch with that. Um, Interesting, yeah. Mm. And so let's um, let's talk a little bit about pressure. You seem to be somebody, Tom. You seem to be someone that thrives on pressure <laughs> in um, a way. Yeah. So how do you deal with that pressure of competing, and and how do you deal with setbacks? Yeah. Um, so like, I I love when I know I'm in good shape. I know the hard work is done, and I know that I'm bringing myself to a championships, like a major championships, so the world championships, the Olympics, or uh, Europeans. And I know I'm bringing my best shape there. And I actually, I trust my team. And that's a big thing. I trust my my physio, my my strength and conditioning coach, my coaches, everyone that works with me. I trust them that I'm going to get there in the best shape. So yeah. when I am there in the best shape, I love competing and I love the pressure. And I, I love the fact, for me, one of the biggest rewards that I get is that me doing a lap of a track with 10 hurdles gives yeah. other people so much enjoyment. Yeah. I get so much from that. Yeah. Um, and I love going on Twitter and Instagram when it's all positive, when it's like, oh my God, that was that was class or whatever. Um, and I love looking into that and I love and, I'm, and, and to see the support. Um, and I think the Irish as a nation as well, we're very good at getting behind our sporting yeah. You are actually, people, yeah. You know, like at the moment with the rugby. The rose is over here on the show. I'm just going to put it into context. This is this is being, I don't know when it's going to go out, but this episode is being shot within the middle of the Six Nations. Yes. It's still all to play for. I kind of need Ireland. I've ruined this, uh, the, the surprise. We're backing the, uh, yeah, yeah. you. I kind of need Ireland to do England a favour this weekend <laughs> yeah. and put the filthy Welsh to bed. But um, <laughs> but we are, we're a nation of sporting yeah. supporters and we love it. And uh, and I love that as well, that other people get so much enjoyment from me. So I, I feed off of that yeah. um, as well. Um, so that, that seems to be when it's all going well. Yeah. So when flip it's, it on its head and when it's maybe not going so well. Yeah. When, Maybe it's injury. Maybe it's just yeah. results aren't going your way. Like, how do, how do you deal with that? Yeah. So, like, normally I'm quite good at just saying, okay, that didn't go well. Move on. Mm. You know, learn from it and move on. So, like, say one of the biggest, one of the first kind of failures I felt was at the European Championships in Zurich, uh, 2014, where I was tipped for a medal, um, and I didn't make it out of the first round because I messed up my race. Right. And I went in there with almost a false sense of confidence that I was better maybe than I was or that I had to put in less work than I thought I had to. Yeah. Um, and I didn't get through the rounds. But I thought, I never want to be in that situation again. Um, and then, so I, I moved on from it quite quickly um, and, and tried to just think, okay, I don't want that to happen again. Mm. I learned from it and moved on. That's often kind of how I'll, I'll, I'll deal with it. At the European Indoor Championships, just gone, um, I was there in good shape. Um, but a te one little technical um, mishap, I tightened up in the first lap and then in the second lap so and, and in indoors it's a 200 metre track so it's two of laps of course yeah yeah um, so first lap I tightened up my, my coach said you need to get out hard get out fast so I had been moving really well in training all week thought yeah just need to do that and settle into my rhythm and just speed it up but what I did is I tightened up rather than speeding up yeah, and yeah. so I went through 200 metres in the same pace as I had been at my kind of slower runs yeah. um, and then I was knackered in my second lap so I was. I actually ran slower 
than if I had just kind of almost you just know, choked <laughs> it, trotted around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that was really disappointing because I um, I I was out there in good shape, but I just didn't it didn't reflect it, um, and that was tough to get over. So I've, I'm actually lucky that after the Europeans, I had a about a week of a break, mm-hmm. um, just stepped away from athletics for the week, you know, yeah. because Europeans is a long way. Our outdoor world outdoors are a long way away now, and that's my, my next big focus. Um, so I took a week off, just chilled out, stepped away from the sport, you know, ignored all the, yeah. the Twitter and Instagram sort of stuff yeah. about athletics, and now I'm I'm kind of fresh. I'm starting back now this week, yeah. ready to go again. See, yeah. we we talked yeah. about it earlier when we were having lunch, but um, we were saying that what you do that kind of flicks your switch away from athletics. So, yeah. so what, um, like what, you know, you're into some pretty weird, not weird stuff. That was a different conversation. So you're into some interesting stuff that is yes. maybe not typically. Very contradictory. What, yeah, exactly. Nice. So, so feel Katie, you know what she yeah. missed at lunch. Yeah. Like, so we were chatting away and I was actually, I was looking through Sean's Instagram and I noticed he was into surfing or he had a picture of a surfboard anyway. And yeah, I, was uh, fake, I, was fake, I was fake surfing. <laughs> I wasn't, I'm, not very good. I'm not very good. You did stand up to be fair. But that's where I actually, I used to surf a lot when I was younger. Um, and I'm big into snowboarding. Now I haven't mm. snowboarded in the last two or three years just because the risk Injury that I'd be at. Yeah. But I do enjoy Water skiing or awesome. wakeboarding, uh, jet skiing. I love being out on the water. Uh, so when the good weather rolls around, we usually get out the boats and you stuff. Love, you and love playing Fast and Furious in your Fast in your cars. and Furious, yeah, big into cars. That's my... So when I say that I stepped away from athletics there this week, where I spend most of my time is in the garage or shed that myself and my friends rent. Um, and we have... That's where we keep the toys. So we have the jet ski, the boat, and all. we have a couple okay. of drift cars between us. So... Um, we like to get out on the track then every now and again and that's just a really good kind of mm. pull away from this completely and I love switching like I love a good balance mm. this is it I was going to say the word off. the word that immediately key, springs to yeah. mind is balance yeah, yeah. And now I probably could have chosen a hobby that was less sort of <laughs> less, uh, extreme less controversial and <laughs> yeah. less likely to but I, I love your it, coach yeah. loves that. that oh yeah <laughs> I think she's finally accepted now it's just good. Leave him, it keeps him happy leave him do what he wants yeah. so this is um, when I was at uni I was I did a little bit of track and field as well yeah. and I athletics coach so i used to do track and field in the summer what event by the way i was i actually did 100 200 400 and shot put wow it was yeah it was jack of all trades master of none i wasn't very good at any of them but the athletics coach and then i used to go play rugby in the winter and he said it's like can you not just pick a better off-season thing he's like it's like putting your nan's fine china in the in the washing machine he was like i bet your coach has a similar thing like can you not just pick something something a little bit you know like knitting or yeah a little bit more low-key coloring in yeah yeah exactly but but katie how how important do you think um that sense of balance and and i think you mentioned it earlier about how putting things into perspective with how important they are how does that how does that impact performance yeah I was fascinating could do an entire podcast on this and it's kind of something that you misunderstand when you look at people that have achieved great things you think they're obsessed and that that is the only thing they care about but actually that's really vulnerable yeah and you're more likely to achieve your best performance when it matters most if there's more to you than that sport or that if you're defining yourself through that performance or that goal that someone's got out there then actually the pressure that that brings is really tough to work yeah. with mm-hmm. so we would work like with our elite athletes there's whenever we come in to do 
our review meetings, there's a section called More to Me, which is where we'll literally just try and find out what is, what are you interested in? What are you going to do after this chapter? What yeah. else do you care about? So that when you're on a start line, you you really want it, but you don't actually need it. There's yeah. a difference between wanting and needing. Yeah. yeah. And then you create the conditions to just commit to find that flow and to get your best performance. So it's huge. It's great to hear. But yeah, I can imagine <laughs> yeah, you're I'm taking all the boxes here. So. Yeah. <laughs> it's really important. Well, you said it earlier that success leaves clues, right? Mm. So you can, you know, speaking of Thomas, you can see that there are definitely behavior traits yeah. that Attitudes, are, are, yeah, are a very good indicator to why he's been as successful as mm. he has. So it's, it's really interesting just seeing, obviously having you as an expert in psychology mm. and then sort of, we're yeah, not analyzing, we're not analyzing yeah. you, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's really good to see how the two kind of mix and match. And yeah. that bit about, you know, when you talk about the reflection and the learning, so like after a setback, you know, actually people tend to get quite emotional about it and they'll kind of often like people will will often say to me I feel really ashamed which is crazy because mm. you're basically saying you're ashamed because you tried something yeah. you yeah. would never expect a best mate to feel ashamed if they'd had a setback and yet when, yeah. when it comes to ourselves we seem to have a different standard it's really hypocritical because I did I actually like after the European but. indoors there because I knew where I was at and the performance I'd run, I actually felt a bit embarrassed and I was like, oh. Whereas you, you need know? to step yeah. beyond that and think, okay, let's move, it's not, express the emotion, find someone you can talk to about it, but yeah. then get to the facts of actually what can I learn from it. Yeah. And if you don't get past the emotion, it all just gets a little bit kind of hazy and we, and then you make the same mistake again and, yeah. and it starts to get people So down. would you say that, um, so for somebody listening, would you say that kind of the take home from that scenario would be to kind of get past the yeah. emotion of it, mm. boil down to the facts and then you know but like realize what you can learn from it to make you better tomorrow absolutely yeah, yeah. absolutely like what i've taken from it now is i know now what put me in that position so i know what not to do next yeah. time and what's this what it's done as well because that was my last major race before say the outdoor season begins which is another two or three months away and i know that i'm going to put a lot of work into these mm. next two months because I want to nearly prove a point. Mm. Yeah. Um, so in that way, it's been positive. I think like someone once told me that if you look up the word failure in the dictionary, it says the absence of success, which is a crazy definition because yeah. if if you've learned something, then to me you haven't failed. Exactly. So if we can, like you're saying, there get get not not to suppress the emotion, but just don't get caught and wrapped up in it. Yeah, it is very cliched, but it's true. Yeah, the simple yeah. things are normally the best. But also, yeah, you can put that into gym talk. You know, and everyone talks about, yeah, failure in the gym, hitting failure. And it's almost like it's the, the Valhalla. It's almost like it's the Holy Grail. When you're doing a set, you want to take it to that point where you're working so hard that you to failure. To, that you, yeah, that you fail. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you look at failure in terms of a gym lingo, That's actually it, positive. it's a positive thing. Yeah. And it's it's, it, it's you're really your body to the limit. Yeah, because it's all about taking it to a point where you meet your match, where yeah, you, you put such an adaptive stress on your body. You've gone that, to the point you can't put it anymore. Correct. And from yeah. that stress yeah. and from that stimulus, your body then changes. Mm. So that That's next really time you come so next time you come round, you yeah. can you you're can, not the same you. you yeah, your, your performance yeah. will have yeah. increased. So it's really interesting to see how Love different that. people interpret failure yeah. and sort of how that all mixes and matches. Mm. I heard about a school somewhere who had like a failure week where they like celebrated failure and each like the students came in and were asked to talk about when they've when they've failed and, yeah. and just kind of making it more part of normal conversation and not something that we're ashamed of. Yeah. That's so resilient. Love it. Yeah. So if we're talking, this is a, this is the recovery round table. Um, so if yeah. we're talking about, <laughs> Let's get back on track. If, if we're talking about sort of recovery, phys like mm -hmm. physically from your point of view, after a super intense training session or maybe like uh, a European Championships or an Olympic Games yeah. where, you know, you've been, as you said, 
max out. You know, yeah. you go onto the track and you give it everything. Yeah. Like, what would you do to sort of recover physically from that? So literally, like the first thing after I'll talk about training, say yeah. first, because at, at a competition it can be it can be very different because you might be preparing for another round the next day. Yeah. So it can be a little bit different in that, and there'll be more services. So you'd be talking about getting physio. Is it, is it ice baths, physios, yeah, that sort of stuff. stuff? Whereas after a training session, like every day, uh, first thing I throw my hand to is an optimum nutrition. If it's after the gym, protein shake, or um, after a track session, recovery shake, because. Yep. It's about getting in food or getting in um, mm. uh, nutrients, nutrients yeah. in that 30 minute window after training. Um, and it's very handy to have at hand. So straight in, get the recovery process in straight away. You're yeah. rebuilding, you know, putting all the proteins back into the muscle after you're after damaging them. Because yeah, a chicken, bre chicken breast sitting in the side pocket of your bag in <laughs> the summer tastes a little bit off. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's easy to get in. Yeah, a chocolate shake is much more <laughs> Much easier. And also it's more biologically available. Right? Your body absorbs it at a much quicker, quicker rate. Yeah, because it's, exactly. it's already... Um, it's already in synthesizing. Yeah. All, all, all do, you, do, you, do you feel a difference? Do you, so say when you um, say when you don't use sports nutrition, when you don't yeah. supplement with protein, do you feel a difference in terms of your recovery? Um, I'll be honest, I don't feel a huge difference. Yeah. Um, but um, I'm not really that body self-aware as such. Okay. Um, and I don't think, and anyone that does take supplements and thing, things, um, if anyone's thinking, oh, this is going to make me the strongest person in the world yeah. it's really going to help it doesn't it's 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 something that's that's going on that you might not even realize it's mm -hmm. it's happening anyway okay. um but um in particular if but if i don't say if i don't take the recovery shake and i'm not getting enough carbohydrates in yeah. or enough fluids i would notice that the next day i'd be a little bit lethargic maybe yeah um but it uh, and then about after that then it's like i'm always under the philosophy of kind of you know recovery food first but there's a lot of times when that just isn't practical. That as in we, we we kind of preach the same. I preach the same thing with my clients, and we preach yeah. the same things with with athletes that we work with. That the it's always a food first, and that it, they call them supplements for a reason. They're to supplement they're extra, mm. yeah. a really uh, really sort of well developed diet. And as you said, from a they're really handy from a convenience point of view, from a from a sort of cost point of view from a flavor point of view and it adds great variety to exactly. it exactly and you're getting in exactly what you need what yeah. your body needs is and is craving directly after a session yeah yeah it's mm -hmm. perfect and then it's just about relaxing if i have a tough session the next day i probably will just chill out not do too, too much nothing too physically strenuous but otherwise i might head out to the garage and do a bit of tinkering <laughs> take my mind off it get your mind off it so <laughs> now that we've got the mind back into it sort of um katie sort of you know how would you sort of encourage athletes that you work with to recover psychologically after a super hard training session or mm. what do you kind of you know how do you reset their mindset yeah there's a real range of things actually and again it's about kind of working out what what works for each individual so we've got some international rugby players that that would do their first go-to thing would be to sit and meditate which five ten years ago you would never yeah. have heard and I find it really inspiring how how much we're moving beyond those kind of stigmas so for them it might mean just sort of sitting and doing a body scan feeling their feet on the floor and just and just sort of stepping away from the busyness of their thoughts about yeah. what they've just done and just being present and just 10 minutes a day for 10 days 
studies has been proven to show changes in the brain in terms of your ability to switch off, to be able to kind of recover from performance, from exertion and so on. So meditation is is huge and rightly so. And there's more and more research coming out around that, which I, I find really exciting. And then I think there's a lot of things, Tom, you're talking about there, just the ability to do something different. So, yeah. you know, taking a break, going out, getting some fresh air, talking to someone different about something that's not related to the performance. There's a lot of research around gratitude of kind of a gratitude practice. Again, it might yeah. not sound particularly um, masculine, but it's proven to make a difference to, to your mental resilience and your ability to reset. And how would somebody bring that into their daily life? So how would how would somebody practice gratitude or yeah. when would be the best time to maybe practice that uh, being present and that self-awareness after a training session? How, yeah. how do people materialize that? It could be, I mean, it can be so simple. I'm such a believer in keeping things simple. Those are the, that's sort of what works best. So it could be that you've just got some scrap paper by your bedside table and one of the things you do before you put your head on the pillows, you just think about three things that you were grateful for today. And a even grateful if, log or something. Yeah, yeah something yeah. like that. Um, it could be that, you you know, maybe you've got a partner at home and over dinner you just agree to share one thing with each other that went well today. Um, you know, we're so tough on ourselves, most people, and actually becoming a better coach to yourself yeah. speaking to yourself more positively can make a real difference and even just random stuff like someone said to me like have you ever stopped to think about the fact that you have a heart in your chest and it beats 100,000 <laughs> times a day and, it, and and you were given it like you were just given it yeah but yeah. <laughs> you know and just you can find gratitude in in anything I think if you look for it well I think uh, I'm incredibly grateful <laughs> for having to amazing guests in the dad podcast studio today um i'm getting the look from the pr from the producer saying wrap it up um, but yeah you guys have been amazing so insightful so interesting i've just been i've loved this last sort of 40 minutes um just want to say this is the dad podcast but katie i know you're expecting a baby um huge congratulations and then what we can do is later once you've had the baby and once you've got into that new groove we'll get you back into the dad podcast studio or tom if you have any kids between now and then, if, you, if you have any kids between now and the next time i see you um and we can get you a mum bod uh love it a mum podcast uh sort of episode all to yourself but good luck with uh good luck with the the the, the remainder of your pregnancy and and having the child trust me from uh from my point of view it is life-changing and it will definitely give you something you can be I'm grateful for up some advice yeah, you can get, yeah it's it's so it's so much fun as in most people forget how fun it is they, they think of it as the hard work but as you said it's about framing your mindset to just appreciate as in it's one of the best gifts ever Love it. and that's from experience so you've got something to get excited for anyway i hope you guys have enjoyed this episode it's been incredible from my point of view um thank you to tom thank you to katie and thank you guys for listening remember if you've enjoyed this episode please get onto itunes and leave us a review the better the reviews are and the better the ratings the higher up the charts we climb and the more people will hear this content so we really appreciate all of your support from myself and the team here at the Dad Podcast, thank you for listening and I will see you again next time. Out.